Hello and welcome to Season 1 Pod, where two best friends watch, review, and recommend television series that only lasted one season. My name is Andrew. And my name is Presley. And on this week, this week's episode. Bi weeks. This bi weeks episode. Since we do every two uh, weeks. Yeah, every two weeks. We <laughs> watched Lucky Hank, an AMC original series. Presley, after we roll the little intro music, would you please give us a recap or a synopsis of the show? I would love to. Hit it, Johnny. So, Lucky Hank was an AMC Plus original show that focused on tenured English professor Hank Devereaux, played by Bob Odenkirk, as he navigates the troubles of his daily academic and home life. After getting combative with a student, Hank is recorded talking about Railton College, the college that he is a professor at and is the the head of the English department at, uh, calls it a beacon of mediocrity, uh, which uh, he, which the audience learn is spurred on by the imminent retirement of his father uh from columbia who uh is uh, a giant in the english world uh in in the story uh so that forces hank to reevaluate his current situation and reflect on his much smaller academic footprint over his giant fathers after being pushed out as the chair of the english department and then swiftly voted back in in the same episode hank's wife uh lily played by muriel enos decides to pursue a new role in uh, New York. Realton is in Pennsylvania, uh, for context, uh, at a school that uh, is much better funded, much nicer, where currently she's the vice principal, and now she's, uh, you know, angling for a much better job in New York. Uh, But this uh, desire to find a new job drives a wedge between the two of them, uh, and Hank really wants to stay in Realton, where his life and his career are, very arbitrarily. Intermixed throughout the show are side stories between the other English department uh, members and the imminent layoffs uh, across the college, which Hank refuses to engage with. Everybody's always asking for his list of three names of who he's willing to get rid of, and he basically is like, I'm not going to do that. Uh, In the end, Hank decides to help protect the English department by leaking a story about the dean of Railton College named Dickie Pope, played by Kyle MacLachlan. Uh, making unnecessary cuts to all the departments to try and get a position at MIT, basically like shoring up and saying like, look how cutthroat I am and I'll make the hard decisions so you should hire me at MIT. Uh, Where then the show concludes uh, with Hank seemingly leaving his uh, tenured position at the college and showing up at Lily's door in New York, presumably to move there with her permanently. End of season and canceled show. Yeah, end of end of series, and and I would add one thing, Please. much to Lily's seemingly dismay. Yeah, chagrin. Her <laughs> uh, chagrin. Yeah. Um, yeah, because she uh, seems it's... to be struggling with their marriage, and where she's at in life, where he's at in life, and she wants to grow, and he wants to to stay and rot, and that's a pretty big theme. Yeah, in the series as a whole, when it comes to um, Hank and his position and his. Um, 
his, I guess, want to be an immovable mountain in Railton and just never leave there, right? Yeah. And never want to try anything else. He's just kind of like stuck. He's um, content to not do to, anything different in his life. Yeah, uh, exactly. But he also like, hates his life. So it's like yeah. <laughs> this very like conflicted um, kind of person and, and complicated situation. So Yeah. And I think like the, the even the title of the show is like an allusion to that. Right. Because Lucky yeah. Hank being like, here's this guy that's like pretty fortunate. Right. Like he has yeah. uh, at the start of the show, like everything is very much lined up for Hank. Like obviously right. he's discontent, but he has a lovely home. His, him and his wife are on very good terms at the start of the show. Like they, they're yeah. clearly like middle-aged and there's been some love loss, but they, they don't hate each other. It's not like a loveless marriage. Yeah. Um, yeah. he, uh, has a tenured position at a well-regarded university, even if it's not like an Ivy league, right? It's still yeah. nice. A decently uh, regarded. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. he doesn't regard it well, but nobody, yeah. we never hear outside of the context, like, Oh, Railton's like such a failure right. at school. True. He says yeah. that because he thinks of himself as a failure. Yeah. Uh, and I think like, that's the whole deal is like Hank is lucky, but doesn't realize it. Um, and he's just, thinks that he's mediocre and thinks that his life is terrible when really like people would kill for his kind of a life. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. Like everybody's, everybody in the English department is like, well, just about everybody, not actually everybody, right? But good pretty portion. much everybody wants to be head of the department and right. votes for themselves when they when they do their little vote. And then it's funny because one of the one of the professors is basically like um, trying to stick it to the man or stick it to yeah. the system, and he ends up voting for Hank, and Hank voted for himself, and then he got two votes. Yeah, he had the majority. And he by had the most. So. Because um, yeah, it's like you know yeah. my theory of abstaining is abstract, and it's like well you didn't abstain because yeah. other people abstained. You like voted yeah, for you him. literally voted for the guy. We all just like figure Forced out, a way out of to the get department out. because basically they don't want you know they're they're saying like look Hank isn't invo- isn't engaged with our union rep. He's not trying to protect us from uh, yeah. these layoffs that uh, that Dickie Pope is trying to do, and we need to get him out. And then literally yeah. the stinger of the episode is he gets voted back in and just walks back into his office yeah. and that they're all just sitting there like aghast uh yeah. my question for you before we get like yeah. to you know we're already in the discussion but yeah uh this is a question that we keep coming back to and i think it is maybe the key to understanding this whole endeavor of watching uh shows for only one season that, that oh, were canceled. Okay. yeah who is this show made for I feel like this is, Mm -hmm. we keep dipping back into this well. I don't remember if we talked about it like last episode, but I know we've talked about it in recent episodes Hmm. because like, I genuinely don't know who this is meant to be for because it's a very boring show. Okay. Uh, And is it meant to, I don't know. I just want to hear your thoughts. I have thoughts, but I want to hear yours first. It's, hmm. I mean, the, the simple answer, the straightforward answer is, I don't know really yeah. who this is made for. Right. Um, I I don't know that I would necessarily call it boring. I, I might agree that like not a ton happens, but this is a show where there's a lot of like relationship. Yeah, it's a drama. Personal development type yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. So like there's not a, like, there are not a lot of, external things that happen right like aliens didn't invade right. fucking realton pennsylvania and then they had to figure out how to like it's not that kind of series right so totally. it's it's not like going to the to the sci-fi freaks or you know the people who like those shows or anything like that right Me. so it's, it's hard to say 
Uh, I mean, I'm also a sci-fi freak, no, so I uh, wasn't derogatory, but you know, it's, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. It's, um, it's kind of like a dark comedy drama in a, in a way, uh, because there are like moments that are intended to be like dark and funny. Um, and then there's a lot of drama and there's a lot of like trauma that people have gone through that kind of gets, um, resurfaced or, you know, like specifically Hank yeah, has experienced a significant deal of trauma. Yeah. Um, and, and has clearly not been given the resources or sought the resources right. as a, as an adult to work through that and to understand it and to, to kind of like progress beyond or, or with the trauma. He's just kind of still stuck in that, um, in that trauma in a way it, it feels like one um, of those never shows really leaves us but he never learns to to like work with it or, yeah. or work alongside it i guess it, it feels like one of the shows that's like uh hank seeing a psychiatrist for one session would fix a lot of his problems kind of like you know we talk about like <laughs> yeah there are shows where it's like if these two characters just literally said exactly what is happening there would be no tension in the story anymore. like it would diffuse like everything the entire friends fine the entire Friends series. Right. It's like if, right? it's if all... anybody like just could communicate well with each other, yeah. none of this would happen. And this I, feels I like really Friends. similar it's where it's like if Hank just like funny, sought yeah. some like therapeutic support, not from like mm-hmm. casual acquaintances, from like a licensed therapist or psychi- right. something. A if you got on some Prozac yeah. for a little while, like yeah. it would really fix a lot of the thing. And I think that's kind of like where I end up being a little frustrated with the show is like shows like yeah. that without, there are good reasons to abstract those kinds of things away. And like Friends is a, great show overall yeah. because it was doing that really well and thoughtfully here's like a yeah. situation where it's just like hank is discontent doesn't talk to anyone about it and you see him having like these phantom pains in his side and he keeps thinking they're kidney stones and he like literally goes to the doctor and they're like they're not like you don't have kidney stones and he's like i can feel the kidney stone and i'm like we did x-rays like we know you don't like, right and it's like you're stressed right and yeah. you just need to talk to somebody and figure things out um yeah and so it's just like a little frustrating from that opinion because you, you don't see any growth or change in hank as a character other than the last possible second of the show yeah, and, and well, that's that's kind of like, I think I think part of the show and and I guess the intent behind the show is, I mean, it's all around Hank, right? right. It's all centered around Hank, right? Yeah. He's kind of like fucked up, but also like has a very like steel exterior. No one can get in and really know what's going on, right? Yeah. But he is experiencing all this stuff, um, and it's it's kind of like a slow or I guess probably a, a rather quick wearing down of that steel exterior to the point where he's kind of like almost re-experiencing the trauma of his father leaving when he was a kid and really needed him and all that kind of stuff. Right. right. So um, I think when it comes to, I think it comes down to, to like the audience to answer your question is people who, who really, really look for like relational and like personal drama in a series, right? Because on my point of view, I actually liked this show. Um, I thought there were some characters that um, were kind of meh and just like kind of pretty one dimensional. It felt a little bloated in terms of those characters. Like if you pruned down like four of the extra characters, it would feel better. Yeah, and I I think that's part of my, that's kind of like, I guess part of the the thing I think is it was a bit bloated, right? Like. Um, so I, I think to answer the question and then I'll go into like my thoughts on, on the one dimensional character situation, but, but I really think it was meant for people who, who like to see personal development in characters and, 
and the relationships between characters because I think that's where this show does a good job. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's a perfect show. I liked it. I actually um I actually watched the entire series in basically one sitting. Yeah. On last Sunday. Um I had nothing to do and I was chilling and I was just like, I'm gonna cuddle with my cat and watch this show and I just ended up watching the whole thing. It's funny because um, you said that and you, you had told me that earlier in the week and I was like, That yeah. literally means one of two things. He either hated it so much he had to just like grit his teeth and power yeah. through it because he knew if yeah. he stopped watching he wouldn't continue, or he probably really <laughs> enjoyed it and was eager to continue yeah. and w- keep watching. I I didn't, genuinely yeah. didn't know what it was going to be, but it's interesting it's, to hear that it was because it's you, interesting. you enjoyed it. Yeah, it's interesting because it's, it's similar to me for like Time Traveler's Wife, which we, we got a lot of like flack for that, but um, I won't name anybody, but... <laughs> you know who you are. No, so yeah, you know who you are. Hello, by the way. Um, hope you had a good weekend. Uh, <laughs> we, um, you know, it was kind of a show where it's like, obviously I liked Lucky Hank more than Time Traveler's Wife, but it was like this genuine curiosity to see what happens next and it wasn't because it was so gripping necessarily right that it was like oh the show is so good i can't stop it was like i really i really want to see how this next thing develops or how this plot line um kind of like ends for the season or where it's gonna go because this seems like a bigger plot line that continues on right um which I guess some might argue that that is a genuine strong interest and really enjoyment of the show. But, um, I guess I didn't, I didn't see it quite as like, this wasn't a show that I was like begging for the next episode. Right. Like, yeah, that's all I'm saying. Anyways. Um, I, I think the show really did a good job with the characters that it invested in. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that, right. Is there is some bloat. There are some characters that are just there and, they're part of the equation, but they're kind of like such a small piece of it that if they were missing, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Right. I feel like they could have cut out, like you're saying, probably like three or four characters. Yeah, you could and have just then, made it a smaller English department. Yeah, make it a smaller English yeah. department. Um, get rid of one or two of those people, um, yeah. and and like one or two other people, like just kind of out in the world of the show, right? And then, and then you just invest more in like julie for example and her her husband which julie is um hank uh hank and and lily's daughter yeah and her husband so they they felt like very one-dimensional characters to me or characters to me so it's basically like they they were basically like 16 year olds that were married but they're 25 and like that was it felt like a caricature of how older folks feel about our current generation because they're Correct, right. like 24, exactly. right? 25, 26, somewhere in that yeah. range. And they're like, but young they seem married immature couple. and snot nosed and like, yeah. not like spoiled snot nosed, but just like don't know how to deal with their emotions. So they just kind of like lash out and like, and don't kind of like, like shitty professional and careers. Yeah. And don't uh, get know, like, are unwilling to yeah, try exactly. to like just get a normal job. Yeah. You know, exactly. Hank basically they just want to strong like, arms, uh, him, the, I forget, uh, his name. I have the IMDb up. I'll look um, up. Sorry. Yeah. Um, oh, Hank basically strong arms Russell. Russell. Yeah. Uh, Julie's yep. partner. And yep. into working at the bar that he frequents him by himself and with his friends in the English department. Yeah. And then like that causes a rift in their relationship that like Julie can't recover from essentially because it's like yeah. you forced him to get this job. And it's like, well, he needed a job. Like you were trying to. You were, like, tr- yeah, you like wanted him to get a job, you know. All you guys were trying to do is find the next quick buck, and all you're doing is yeah. pissing all your money away and pissing our money away because we're giving you money to like live right. and stuff. So, yeah, um, 
yeah so very much they they were very much that was a good way to say it like kind of a caricature of um of what kind of like older generations think of our generation and i didn't really um i didn't really vibe with that it didn't really feel very deep and that's the thing is like hank is a very like complicated uh deep character with a lot going on right and so was lily I mean, yeah, we don't get to see as much of of Lily and like the depth of how she's feeling, right? Because she's not the central character like Hank yeah, is. We and, and we do follow her around in some moments without him. Yeah, and there are some things that happen, but it's kind of intermixed and in, in kind of like around Hank in a way. Well, and the other thing is that we get small. It's not super frequent, but we do get small moments where we hear Hank's inner monologue. Uh, yes. You know, like, oh, a, true. Yes. Voiceover narration of him like yep. remarking yep. on weird things. Uh, yep. And that informs a lot more to a character. As much as like yeah. you want to show, don't tell. There are times when it like is actually very helpful to understand why Hank is behaving a certain yeah. way, and other times, you know, you don't need it. And I actually think that's something that they did pretty well in this series. It wasn't a ton. It was it's just really kind of sparing. like it was very sparing, and it was very like it was it was very supplemental in a good way. It wasn't yeah. just like oh, this is the way we're doing this show. Here's yeah. a bunch of monologue. And, and it's not a constant it was kind of narration. Like, it cuts yeah, in it like wasn't a once thing. every fifteen minutes in an eight episode show. Yeah, if that. Yeah, yeah that, and it's yeah. two um, sentences. It's like, well, why do we call these things this? It's kind of a weird name, and that's like all yeah. it is, right? It's like, yeah, and it's some offhanded brain mm-hmm. remark that you may have yourself when you hear a yeah. weird word or something yeah. that he'll think about, and then it's it, gone. And it, I think what it does is it makes his character really relatable and it makes it realize that like, it makes you realize that yes, he's very distanced from people and he has very like that steel exterior and doesn't really want to let anybody in and no one really knows what he's going to do and think or whatever. But we get let in and we get to know that he's just a normal person who's a little fucked up. So basically he's just a normal person because everybody's a little fucked up. So, right. um, You know, I, I think with all of that, it did a really good job as a, as a series. I thought the characters were pretty good. Um, Save, save a couple extras, you know, like, um, like Paul, which is uh, one of the other, the poet professors. He basically, his whole thing is he's just an asshole to one of the other professors and has like a cool car that he wants to rev up and park. And then he really wants Hank's house. That's like his whole character. Yeah. He has one great um, moment, but like it's not does. enough to redeem a, a character that's right. written really poorly in one dimension, yeah. like you're saying. Like he's very, yeah. you know exactly and, what's uh, going on with him at all yeah. times. And then like Teddy and June, you could have one of them, but they're basically the exact same character. Um, you know, they're a married couple with an open relationship that came to Railton for the positions that they're in. Yeah. And literally they're just like, scheming and vying for head of the department and that's their like entire role they're like in an open relationship and and um hank's friend tony who's also a professor but in a different department kind of gets involved with them in a in a weird like awkward kind of silly way at this dinner party that kind of explodes and that's kind of a funny scene but um you could have you could have like introduced teddy or june as just the partner of whoever, you know, whoever you decide you want to keep in the English department and they could just have an open relationship and it could be the exact same scene, but that's the only time you saw them and it would have been the exact same show. But then you could have invested more in a different character throughout the rest of the series yeah, to make them more multidimensional. Well, that's the thing, right? It kind of detracts from anything that you're doing in the show when you are having so much character bloat and you are trying to make uh, involved complex characters. And then you have like six other characters that are impacting your 
interesting characters. Yeah. Sorry, that's why I got up and shook right in the middle. No, um, it just makes it more challenging to care and remember and relate to so many characters, right? I agree. And yeah. so many is is subjective, right? Like Game of Thrones has like, so many characters. Yeah, which it's is not like, like whole, 50 characters in the English department or something, but it is too yeah. many. It, when you have nine or ten professors, right, you have Hank's wife, you have his daughter and son-in-law, you have an adjunct professor that works at the bar, uh, you have Hank's best friend and then a myriad of other secondary characters. It's just like too much. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like, like Finney as a character, he, he's kind of a funny, he's a funny character. He, he's one of the English department, um, uh, professors, but he's just kind of like this very like pretentious stereotypical, Sorry. like English department teacher guy. Yeah. You know, but he's like very aloof and he's very aloof and very like he wears a turtleneck and like a uh, a blazer and he's very like pretentious and yeah. kind of like snooty. Why? Why did like, he need to be in there? Yeah, but he did. He just his character literally just didn't need to be in the show. Yeah, right. Because other than providing that abstain, quote unquote, abstaining vote for Hank, that yeah. was the only thing he really did for the series. Right. Right. Um. So, anyways. That that's, you know, I think with Billy, she's she's the the mother actually of the adjunct professor who works at the bar, which you I just have she, to figure out. Which you do you do kind of just like happen to figure out. Which yeah, I didn't necessarily hate that that they don't need to draw a straight line to it. We figured it out pretty well that like she was drunk and and Meg came and picked her up, and then um, in some of the conversation they just kind of like. We we just learn it as Hank and Billy are talking to each other, or Hank or Meg and Meg are talking to each other. I can't remember which one, right? But um, it's just but like funny Billy, that even on the IMDb, uh, the mom is Billy and doesn't have a last name, and then the the daughter is Meg Quigley. So you can't even draw the connection on the IMDb that they're related. They also look zero percent alike. They do uh, look in terms of actresses, literally nothing alike. Yes, yeah. that's true. Um, um, but but I, I thought Billy was a good character. There could have been more there. She was very complicated, apparent, like clearly very complicated character. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, characters like that where you don't see a ton of them, but you can tell they're complicated. I think that gives a lot of room for the viewer to kind of extrapolate their daily life and how they are. Yeah. And it also gives the ability for them to come through in a later season and have a bigger part, but you have the context of like, and let's say, you know, Billy starts being a little bit more of a, a main character in Hank's life because Lily is gone and he's back in Railton or some shit, right? Like whatever. I'm not really speculating season two right now, but let's just say that, that, you know, Billy then becomes more forefront and we start to learn more about Billy and then all this crazy shit Billy's dealing with, you're like, Oh, okay. Well she gets drunk all the time and like drunk calls people and she's a fucking mess. So that makes sense. Right. You know? Uh, so I think they did a really good job making a deep character. We know nothing about, but would be <laughs> unsurprised by hearing some crazy shit that she's dealing with. Right. Um, and I think they could have done a better job with some of the characters like that. If, if they were going to have so many characters, make them at least seem interesting. I mean, that uh, is what you want from a drama, certainly. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> if you're going to have a lot so. of characters, make them interesting. I think that was yeah. like just where we uh, uh, diverge here. 
Yeah. Um, because other than like Hank and Lily, I didn't feel any real true depth or complexity to a lot of the characters. Uh, yeah. And I think the same way that you are, because there are there are attempts, and there is uh, clearly they're trying to create depth amongst all these characters. But like, I never saw it or felt it, and yeah. was just bored by the extra nonsense that it incorporated into an otherwise fairly interesting story about Hank and his wife and their kind of troubles. And so, yeah, I just don't think that, uh, I don't disagree with your, your perspective. I just think that we have a different view about the show. Yeah, totally fair. Um, and I think it's about time. We probably disagree on a show cause holy shit, but like the same reading for the last, like, I don't know. Months. Yeah. I'm curious to see. Um, I'm, I'm up in the air about what my rating's going to be anyway. <laughs> I'm like oscillating quite a bit. Not because I'm not like set or because like there's some convincing yeah. that we always, I think, tend to do here where we're talking about something and someone will bring up kind of a revelation yeah. or something more yeah. nuanced that the other person didn't pick yeah. up on. But yeah. like this is just one of those shows where like I was watching it and I was just bored and I was kind of looking for an excuse to twiddle my thumbs away from it. Uh, and that speaks to not necessarily the quality of the show because there are boring shows that are bad and that is a that is a quality yeah. issue. Yeah, this yeah. is not poorly made it is not un like bob onekirk is a phenomenal actor as uh, as are pretty much everyone else here everybody's believable as a yeah, character it's true mm -hmm. um but i just didn't connect with it at all and it wasn't a story for me like like yeah. i said who is this show for right like i can see this being really relatable to people in their like 40s and 50s especially people who are in academia oh 100 um, yeah like this is kind of uh a little too tailor-made for that audience and we are not yeah. a part of that group and that's a failing like of my brain to be a different person i guess but you know it yeah. just wasn't for me uh and so i'm happy that you uh you sounded to have enjoyed it it's just uh yeah uh, not my kind of character drama or yeah. if there was more just going on in the background or the the set piece of them being like something more interesting was going on uh i would have enjoyed it more for instance right here's good context yeah Part of the drama around the imminent layoffs of the English department and amongst the other departments is Railton is uh, getting this huge endowment to build a uh, the Jeffrey Epstein Science Center, or Technical Jesus Center. Jesus Christ, yeah. Which is one of the few like genuinely really funny jokes in the yeah. show <laughs> because it is not the Jeffrey Epstein that everybody is thinking it is, you know, the uh, the horrible person. It's just Some another guy. guy named Jeffrey yeah. Epstein who ha happens to be like a millionaire from uh, being like an air fryer magnate. And yeah. so uh, people like don't like the association. And so they add a cube. Uh, so it's like the Jeffrey Q Epstein to make it better, even though that Jeffrey Epstein, the one who's in the show, does not have a middle name at all. And so they're yeah, just making it definitely it wouldn't Q. have been starting with a Q. Like. Right. <laughs> and like that is funny and interesting and weird. And it's like I like the clever like, you know, subplant of this like horrible monster. But he's really just a nice yeah. guy who is just trying to give money to a school. And we see them like kind of befriend him at one point. But yeah. Uh, like I needed more stuff like that going on in the background to color the world a little bit more and fair, to yeah. uh, create a little bit more like texture and involvement in outside goings on of the characters. That's a personal taste thing. That's not yeah. a problem with the show kind of thing. So that's just like where, no, where I fall. I think that's really a, a really valid, um, I guess, perspective and angle to come at it from because yeah. it is true. Like unless you're the type of people 
or a person who really, really enjoys, like I said, that relational drama, the dialogue heavy, the like complicated personality, right? Like, like breaking down someone's psyche type thing, then you're probably not going to enjoy this show, like yeah. flat out. And I think you're that's probably not going to like right? get invested, and you're going to find it boring. It's you like didn't even say that it was bad. It was just out of not the for time you, traveler's right? wife. Yeah, yeah, right. Right, like this would be a very similar show to The Time Traveler's Wife. It was just like a character drama between these two people as they're getting to know each other and meet in a relationship uh, yeah. versus the... Two people that have been together for 30 years. Right, versus the, the time travel doing. that adds <laughs> a fun wrinkle and excitement, right? Yeah. I don't need yeah. something scientific, sci-fi kind of time travel-wise. Totally. But I need, for me, something more to hold my attention. And like when they're talking about the Jeb she- Jeffrey Epstein uh, technical center, yeah. I was more engaged. And then in the middle of them doing like the ribbon cutting groundbreaking ceremony, because the place hasn't been built yet, Hank yeah. has this goose that keeps like attacking him. And so he like threatens to box the goose. And it's just like this weird, fun moment outside of the normal like realm. And you can see like how unhinged things are getting in his life that he pulls out a boxing glove and is threatening to box a goose on the yeah, news. Yeah, he's literally like going to box. Yeah, he, he says he's going to box the the goose like every day yeah, until, until they, they don't give the money stop back the cuts, or something. Right? Yeah. Or, yeah, stop the cuts. To his and- department. And it's like I need more fun little things like that in my in my yeah. Uh, stories but yeah and that's again, fair we do taste. see some we do see some external things happening right because if you really think about like hank and lily and like their relationship as the the main plot yeah which it kind of is right it, more more like hank's shit that he's not dealing with that's kind of all culminating into like it, it's kind of like the the leak that you ignore for like three years that eventually just blows out the ceiling and now you have like water damage in the entire house that's kind of like what's happened with with his trauma and with his 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 like situation with his mental health for the last what 40 50 years whatever it is um so like that's kind of a central thing but like their relationship very much is is like right there with it because his inability to deal with his shit and communicate um, and like have a conversation and he's so stuck in that trauma deals like, you know, damages their, their relationship. It makes it complicated. Anyways, if you think about that as the main piece and the main thing of the series, which yeah. it, it really is, you have the external thing of like Julian Russell's relationship is an external event. Yeah. It's relational though. It's still relational and it does tie back a little bit to the main thing. And then you have, um, you know, the building, that's like one actual external event. Like you're yep. saying that it can grip people who are the type who don't thrive with the just let's talk and talk and talk and figure out and be complicated together. Right? And have an awkward dinner party um, and then talk And have an awkward right? dinner party, which I thought that was a great, I thought that was, that was maybe a great the best episode. episode. Yeah. It was the best episode because there's just so much that happened and there's all these teeny little like goings vignette on and conversations, conversations yeah. little vignetted conversations that all like, are part of the grand scheme. Right. It's like, Oh, did you hear about um, Lily's new job? And then you see like Hank, <laughs> like making the stew and like boiling over like the yeah, stew like, is right. Like it's a literal yeah. metaphor. Like that stuff is yeah. good. Right. And yeah. it, it, it's again, they're not just sitting in their offices talking and like interspersed right. between random scenes right. of class. It's like them all together in a, a really good set piece. Yep. Right. That and again, it's like memorable. Over over 90% of the rest of it that's less memorable. Right. 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 And I think that's so, like where it comes into. Yeah. For 100%. And so one of the other ex- ex- 
quote unquote external things that happens, right? Just giving kind of, I guess, if evidence and validity to what you're saying about yeah. like the external things. One of the external things is this random shipping container shows up in front <laughs> yeah. of, and the guy just drops it in front of their garage, which in and of itself is kind of funny because it's like they have this whole like driveway. Yeah. And this whole area where like land and everything where the dude could have put it, but he has to put it in front of the garage that can't get his car out. And he has this like frustrating moment with trying to like force his car out of the garage. It's very like Austin Powers stuck in the hallway. It's very much. Yes. It's like the, the like 200 point turn that will not work kind of thing. Um, but you have like that external thing, right? It starts off as kind of like, Oh, what the fuck? Like some other Hank Devereaux has a, thing that was delivered here and then you're like oh well his dad is hank senior right right but then that becomes an internal thing because it's about hank's shit with his dad and everything so i think there was like a lot of external things that were really internal things and so they almost gave the illusion that i feel like if you're writing this show you're like and you're having this conversation which i don't know if they do i've never been in a writer's room they're like oh well these uh, these external things happened but then if you really analyze it you're like but two out of the three things that we just mentioned were not truly like external events that then complicated things. They were external, but they perfectly and exactly relate to the main story, which is drama, trauma and relationships. Right. So I I think it's very valid for you to say that, that it didn't hit for you because there was nothing really externally happening other than conversations and drama and shit. Yeah, so. and and it's interesting, right? Because in the latter half of the series, Hank's dad does show up. And yep. apparently his mom had been in contact with him for, for Ooh, yeah. a good amount of time, which Hank didn't know about. And Hank felt very abandoned by his father who left when he was like in his early teens and yep. just went off to go be an academic and have a different family and stuff. And yep. uh, so like you see this moment where Hank has been trying to figure out a way to say what he wants to say to his dad uh, for a very, very long time. And 30, he goes and years, confronts yeah. him uh, when, when uh, he, when his dad is staying at, at his mom's house. And it's this genuinely heartbreaking scene where you have this mm-hmm. moment where Hank finally could get some catharsis about like kind of telling his dad off saying the things that he always wanted to say. And yeah. Hank realizes as the audience does like midway through the conversation that his father is struggling with dementia or Alzheimer's or something that is completely, you know, his brain the is person he's mad at is no longer in the building. Yeah. And, and so it's this heartbreaking moment where towards the end of the conversation, he just starts asking him questions that seem really irrelevant. And you realize that, uh, you know, he's not there anymore. And, yeah. and so he can't even have the, the moment to relieve his anger and frustration. He can't have the confrontation he'd thought about yeah, for the for last decades. 30 years. Um, and, and so, like, I like that stuff. I, I, I you know, I don't want this to sound mm-hmm. like I just hated the show plainly. Oh, no, I wasn't uh, trying to make it sound like that either, but yeah. No, but I think it's important to mention because it's like y- you have internal and external uh, stimulus, right? And I say that I like a lot of the external stimulus because it provides more interesting context for the internal. And this is like yeah. one of those few moments where it's like, no, this is all internally driven. And we've seen Hank build up and seen his very direct hatred and frustration with his father. And then yep. here's a moment where he is really genuinely trying to work on that. And he is uh, foiled once more, uh, you know, in the way that he continues to be foiled in every in every case. So, yeah. you know, it's it's a interesting show is the way that I'm going to put it. And I'm glad that you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that you enjoyed it enough 
or felt committed enough to finish it. I like parts uh, of it. And, and like I said, that <laughs> no, dinner yeah. party episode is is like a, a, a little bit of a shining beacon in my eyes. It was eyes a really good episode. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's genuinely strong. It has some really good things. Um, but it also feels, and I'm going to com- make this comparison, which is slightly unfair, but I roll with me for a minute. Okay. Uh, I, the, the single best dinner party thing in any media is in the office when Michael Scott hosts a dinner party because it's the single most awkward (laughs) off-putting challenging worst experience anyone could ever have right and it is so perfect to show the state of every single character that is lined up in in the show and every time I see a dinner party scene I always compare it to that because like it's genuinely the pinnacle to me because it's both the funniest thing you've ever watched and also one of like the more heartbreaking like really tough things to watch because you can plainly see how challenged all these characters are in their like different emotional states and i think this show did a good job at trying to do that and try to bring like some real resonance to how challenging it can be to live in the world sometimes uh but it just Mm -hmm. wasn't as good as the office dinner party that's fair (laughs) but it's still the best episode so i don't know that's completely fair. The office dinner party episode is probably one of the episodes I've seen. <laughs> end of sentence. <laughs> yeah, end of sentence. I'm gonna leave that pause no, it, there. I, I, edit that. I have I have <laughs> seen that episode multiple times. It is a funny episode. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, some Andrew Lore. I'm not a fan of The Office. Um, yeah, uh, it's okay. No, me, nobody has care. to be. A fan I've of the I've tried. Um, I'm a mixed fan of The Office, but the point is, but, yeah, is that like I get what you're saying. The it, it it strikes the right tone, and this this dinner mm-hmm. party scene also strikes the right tone of having a good time, but realizing that you're obligated to have a good time yeah like that is what makes a dinner party so awkward right is this like obligation to have fun or have a good time or be complimentary uh when nobody really wants to do that in a lot of ways and so that's like where the comedy comes from and And the thing is that's funny too with the, the dinner party of of the at least the english department is like Nobody really likes each other. That's the point, right? That's that's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. And that's right? that, that's what you're saying. But but they don't want to cause waves and they already deal with enough shit. So they're just like, yeah, this is all very fine and fun. Even though like literally people are yelling at each other across the dinner table. <laughs> and the, the, the single best moment is actually from a, a really one dimensional character. Uh, because this guy uh, is one of the English professors uh, and is basically keeps trying to get Hank to sell him his house and force him Paul, to move to New York. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's genuinely annoying and you want to scream at your television to like shut yeah. the fuck up because it's like, even his wife is like, dude, shut the fuck yeah, up. She literally like, gets up, <laughs> gets up and leaves uh, like in a heated moment. And yeah. then later on they have this like really nice moment where he recounts the story of how the two of them met. And it's like this great story about how love is unexpected. And I really yep. like that moment. Um, and I, I would agree. encourage anyone to, even just watch that clip because it's actually a really genuinely sweet clip and moment. And, uh, you know, you never expect it from a character that, uh, is so flat, but here's a, you know, a very flat character that delivers a really nice, uh, moment. And I think mm-hmm. that's a lot of the show where there, there are times when you have a, a, a character that you otherwise can't relate to or is pretty boring. And then all of a sudden they'll say something really poignant or interesting or profound. And, uh, then yeah. Hank fucks it up somehow. Right. Hank, the, yeah, Hank is just like he just pisses on everybody's party, yeah, in, a, in a way. Um, he really just doesn't. It, it's like it, it's almost like this unconscious or, or subconscious, 
like need to make everyone feel as miserable as he is <laughs> or he oh, just absolutely. like misery loves company, some things right? and he just says some like mean shit yeah, or totally. just like doesn't give a fuck and then he just like walks away <laughs> just well like, there's a great moment the perfect moment to exemplify that is when uh they're all talking to hank about like how dicky pope is like forcing the the dean or yeah the president of the college something is trying to force yeah. the members to pick someone to like get rid of right and so they're basically like having to be forced to pick right like hank has no yeah. choice and right th- they're all like pressing hank like tell us what you're thinking like tell us what's going on and he's like you don't want to know what's on my mind and they're like, no, we really do, because this involves literally all of us about the future of our <laughs> career. And all he says is, I really need to replace the hose in my faucet. And it's like this clear moment leaves. of like, you know what they wanted you to like talk about, and you yeah. chose to fuck with them, yeah. right? And that's like the epitome of the show, where it's like he could resolve yeah. all this very quickly, and he could just make a decision and get rid of three of these people that he knows that we know he hates, uh, yeah. but he chooses not to. Yeah, I I, I thought that moment was one of the not the funniest moments, but that made me chuckle. Cause I was like, he was dealing with a lot of shit. Like yeah. his dad, he, he found his dad just walking along the road and he was like, well, fuck, I have an obligation to this guy to like pick him up. Like, yeah, I know he's him. struggling with his Alzheimer's or whatever. And I, I can't just let him sit there and <laughs> keep freeze walking to, to go buy a car and freeze to death, whatever. So he's like, all right, get in the fucking car. Meanwhile, his sink was leaking and like, and then he's got this like list he has to make and, you know, his wife is moving away and like just all this his stuff. His daughter's and marriage is blowing up. His daughter's marriage is blowing down, up and he's like uh, somehow husband. made to be in the middle of it. And he doesn't yeah. want to be in the middle of it because his wife is like, don't be in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, I just love that like simple. I really need to fix the hose in my sink. Like, and he just leaves. I just yeah, love it because it was out. like, um, everybody's just like what the fuck man (laughs) so then before we get into ratings because i feel like this naturally dovetails into part of our conversation right we know that hank is uh basically an arrested development right he he like is so stuck in his position so what what would we see in a future season right this isn't a limited series we know this because it was distinctly canceled uh so like how would that differ now from hank Presumably being in New York and looking for a new job or, you know, trying to still work at Railton while being, yeah. like, you know, what would you, where do you think the show goes to continue the complexity that you were enjoying so much? You know, I think, I think it really shifts to, um, like Lily's apprehension to have him in New York after all this, all this effort. Like, I, I don't think Lily's going to become the, the, the main right. character. It doesn't become right? lucky but, Lily. Right, exactly. Um, but it kind of shifts from, okay, Lily's been trying to get him to move to New York for like, I mean, 20 years they've been talking about it, right? Yeah. And now it's a real thing. And now basically they're in a situation where Hank still lives in their home in Pennsylvania and she has a condo in New York and she comes back and visits and whatever and he doesn't make an effort to go to New York because he wants right. to stay there. And she kind of like not really badgers him, but in a way is like keeps pushing New York and New York. Like we've always talked about this. Then he finally goes, you know what? I know it's important to me. I'm, I'm resigning and I'm going to move to New York. And he goes there and she's like, fuck. Yeah. Now he's here because you know, she, you know what, what we see from her in New York is she goes and has like, like lunch with a, um, with a friend there's like a couple 
that's like an adulterous couple next to them the the wife or the woman's like husband actually just happens to show up and it's just this whole thing but she has this big monologue about how you know we're changing and I feel like I'm growing and you don't want to grow. And I feel like we're in different places in life. Basically she says she wants a divorce and she, she wants to progress and continue to, to learn and grow as a human. Right. And he's stuck. Now this is not and, to Hank. This and this is isn't to, to a Hank. friend of hers. This is, this is no, this is to the random guy who was sitting with the random chick that was next to them. Cause remember he moved over or he came back from the bathroom and just like sat down. Right. <laughs> next to them so but this message is clearly to hank right right so she's feeling really um unfulfilled in their relationship she basically wants out because she's tried and tried and tried so i think you know he shows up in new york he's finally ready to be new in new york and try to figure that out and then she's really like she then starts struggling with him being around because she started playing piano again she started living her life again yeah as an individual and it's always been kind of around her like him and him and the family yeah um well it's an obligation to be married and have a kid and you know live in a place right you know and i I think there's a lot to exactly i think there's a lot to unpack there there's a lot for them to kind of discover and and work through there and i think that's where it has to go because so much of their um interaction and and everything is revolved around his his being an immovable force or object and then he finally moves right and then now it's not the right thing um so that's obviously a thing i think we see him also um like you said trying to find a new job in new york and it's probably not going to go well oh because he's got a bunch of publicity about mediocrity and whatever but also his father is some well-renowned columbia professor or so we always understood right he's maybe not even he is the, the great professor that he um, always said that he was but and even hank has a very well-regarded book that he never like followed up or and that's a big right. like thrust right. of him like feeling yep. mediocre exactly because like he has never been able to write after his one successful yep. novel he or, wrote he wrote know. one book and then he couldn't write again you know maybe we see hank finding new inspiration that's the ability to write again him trying to work and, and yeah and and then but but then so he's finding the ability to write again but he struggles to find a new job but maybe that takes off and then some other disaster happens right because we got to keep up with the lucky hank thing he can't just move to new york and everything goes well right right uh maybe the disaster is really his marriage his marriage um you know i don't know i i feel like that's what we see and and i think there's got to be some way that railton pulls him back Two, because I don't think we're going to see Hank move and they just change the entire cast to new people in New York. It'd be odd. It would be odd. It would, it's possible. I'm, I'm sure shows have done it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I really think it's just Hank maybe writes again, tries to find a new job. It doesn't go well. They struggle in their marriage because he finally did what she wanted and she didn't want it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really think that's kind of where where a season two would would go. Yeah. What about you? I think I like uh, slightly different, but... but not too far off from what I was gonna say, is that yeah. after Hang moves to New York, he is finally like content and is actually like happy with things. And Lily, because Hank is there, even if he's doing well and yeah. being happy and not and potentially even being supportive and fulfilling, 
because she has her own discontentment that she's been like struggling with and Hank is a pure representation of that, she's yeah. basically going to like force him out, right? And he's forced back to Railton through like a divorce situation, yeah. right? Where like or they a separation essentially or split up, yeah. right? And she forces him out. She could still be in the series just like in a kind of more secondary role or, you know, dealing yeah. with their kid together or whatever, right? Yeah. And I, that's where I would see it going where like over the first two or three episodes, you see how Hank is actually really thriving even more so than she is. Even if they're both doing well, like he is like loving it and he finally has quality friends and he's progressing on his novel. Like everything's going his way. And then she's like, I need a divorce. Go away. Like she boils Go over. Back. Right. And, yeah. uh, and then you see him dealing with a the fallout. There's a, there's a great scene, uh, where you see Hank like a few weeks after she has moved away and the house is in like shambles uh, where like somebody, uh, his, his daughter comes up and there's like takeout that has been eaten by the raccoons out on the porch because yeah. he never brought it in to eat it. And there's like food plates everywhere. And then he's just sitting like on the edge of his bed eating toast out of, or eating bread out of a bag watching like The yeah. Bachelor or something. In like a full depressive episode like yeah, watching Love Island or he's some like, shit. Yeah. He's not really there when people are like asking him questions and whatnot. Yeah. And it's this funny moment. And so I could see that, you know, being more of a thing, uh, being like this now returning to his discontented life after finding some degree of like happiness, yeah. joy, whatever, what have you, career success. Yeah. Um, so that would be where I would take it for another season. Yeah. I think uh, I think either way, uh, you would have had a pretty decent season two. I think um, season two would have been better than season one because they could have found their footing yeah. and pruned down the characters that they knew uh, didn't respond yep. uh, it, it, like audience wise. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I do think that if they if they had made a season two of this, I agree. I think it would have been better because they would have been able to kind of refine it for sure. Well, and I feel like that's a common thread. Like, yeah, of course, that we always talk about. Every, like, well, if they fix all the problems, show, yeah. this show would be great. <laughs> Which <laughs> well, is basically Yeah, I guess it's said, easy but... to wave a wand and go fix all these problems now that yeah. it's done. Um, it's not as easy when you're deciding if you want to continue it as it's halfway going, like halfway through airing. Yeah. Which I'm, cause I'm sure they did make decisions on that like well before it's done and they have full ratings and reviews. Right. Yeah. I don't know, uh, in the current age of streaming, how that works, you know, cause there are plenty of shows that will be even canceled prior to their release because of you know, yeah. a bunch of random yeah. bullshit that we don't yeah. all understand. So strange. Most of it having to do with money. Um, Fun right. fact, before we get into our rating and reviews, I have not looked this up, but how much you want to bet that I know where this uh, show was filmed? Uh, I mean, you seem pretty confident, and I I don't know how well... I, I don't know how good you are at that, like, geography locator game. <laughs> Geocat. Yeah, geolocator. The geo, yeah, the geolocator thing. So um, I'm going to abstain from voting, thus voting for you. Okay, uh, it takes to, place in Vancouver, B.C., yeah, because uh, you know all shows sure. take place look there. It up? Uh, I know this because they show the front of one of the buildings at Railton College, which mm. uh, I recalled my deep recollection of one of my favorite shows of all time, MacGyver, because there's an episode uh -huh. where MacGyver goes to his old college to judge a contest that they're having, the science-related contest, and it shows him walking up, and there's like a whole scene in front of the same building, and I'm like, I know that season of MacGyver was filmed in Vancouver, so I know this is filmed in Vancouver, so suck it. Wow. That's my one That's, exciting thing that I got out of this show. Well, so it's kind of a subpar episode. We understand if you don't give us a good rating on this one. I'm just kidding. That's actually, that's cool. I, I, unless it's like such a bad job of making it look like where it is. 
Yeah. I usually don't pay attention. Like, right. like I think, um, gosh, what was the show? The end, the, the one with the end of the world. What was that called? It's, it was like so many episodes ago, episodes ago where it was supposed to be in Seattle. It's the chick who's like the Amazon. Oh, no tomorrow. Yeah. Company. Yeah. No tomorrow. Thank you. Yeah. Um, like that show was so obviously not Seattle and I like, yeah. Cause Seattle just looks area a certain way and like whatever. And it has a certain look and I know exactly the way it looks. It's like, that's not fucking Seattle. Well, it's just like, like unless I really know, then it just, you know, yeah. And unless you're in a distinct enough place that we often call out where it's like, Oh, well breaking bad, you know, going back to Bob Odenkirk is like it, yeah. very much in New Mexico and it's very oh, much a set percent. piece, right? <laughs> yeah. You can't yeah. go to Vancouver and pretend like it's New Mexico. You can go inside and have a set that looks like New <laughs> yeah. Mexico and it's totally. shot in Vancouver to do your interior shots. But like, yeah, you know, there's a fundamental uh, difference in that. And it's just one of those things. Yeah. Like I, I bring it up in like almost every episode because it's like something I see. It's, it's like one of those things that I have no reason to have a sense for, but I do where it's like, <laughs> I, as soon as I saw the building, I'm like, oh, it's in Vancouver. Everything's in Vancouver. Like lick your finger and put it up in the wind. You're like, this is Vancouver. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and I've not, I'm not super familiar. Like I love Vancouver, but I don't go there all the time. I'm not like intimately yeah, familiar, I was like, but there's enough like shows filmed there where I'm like, oh, Vancouver. well, I know that that's the UBC <laughs> campus and I've never been there once, but yeah. I've seen it in way too many shows to not know it's that. But I know everything about this town. Yeah, literally. Um, uh, cool. I think well, we're at Presley, our star rating. Yeah. I, I think if you wouldn't mind recapping, I want to hear what you rate it first. Yeah, uh, so uh, for our new and returning listeners, uh, we vote on a five-star scale. Technically six, because you can give zero stars. Where uh, zero stars is should never have been an idea, should never have existed in anyone's brain, let alone uh, been a show. One star is the, uh, I needed a pilot, I needed to get a gauge of if I would have enjoyed the show, but afterwards it was just bad and I didn't need it. The pilot was trash and I hated the show. Uh, two stars is we got a season and we don't need another. It wasn't good enough to merit more. And it uh, really is just, you know, it wasn't strong enough to to get more of. And we could have been content with that season, but probably not. Three is the iffy watching your own risk category where we probably like the show for giving it a three. Uh, very rarely do we give a show a three if we don't enjoy the show. But um, it's so subjective to taste that you may or may not like it. It's really on the fence. Uh, four is the solid show that deserved another season uh, and is it, it is sad that it didn't get one and we we really like the show and then five is the this sh- should have been a staple of pop culture and gotten 10 seasons and uh, didn't didn't even get uh, even a full season or you know was canceled after that first season so th- that's our rating system we try to stick to it sometimes we give half stars no. uh, it's not hard and fast they're made up rules uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with I'm oscillating between our one or a two. Okay. Um, and I think, I think I'm going to go with a one. Okay. I even was like oscillating between zero and two, this whole conversation, but I think zero is too harsh because the show is not terrible on its face. It is a show that I, as a person do not like. And I, I, when I, when I think about our star rating, I, I like to think about it from like the listener perspective of like, if our listeners just knew the star rating, they would have a sense of the broader, like who would enjoy the show. And so I think a zero is too harsh for me to say that because it's like the, it's not objectively like a really bad show. It's not trash, right? There are shows that we watch. that are. There are objectively horrible shows that we've given. And and it's not, and I think it's just like a show that isn't for me. So I'm actually going to go with a two, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to talk myself up to a two. I think a two is fair. (laughs) Um, yeah. I, again, it's it's a subjective judgment because I didn't enjoy 
portions of the show that kind of sure. killed it for me. I got a single season and a lot of that stuff that was in the season was solid, but a lot of it was really bad and I don't need another season. And as I just described, like that's kind of our two butter zone. So that's where I'm going to leave it. Yeah. What's your rating, cool. Andrew? Okay. Uh, this is a three for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I could have predicted that. I, uh, yeah, I think it was pretty obvious. I, I, cause I wouldn't have given this a four. I don't think, um, I, I think no, the thing that keeps it from being a four for me is, uh, strangely the reason why it's a two for you. Oh, really? Is that there weren't very many like external things that occurred and it was so relational yeah. and drama focused and yeah. like inner drama focused. I really like that. But I think a lot of the series that we would see be a four or five have both and they do both very well. Well, I think, you know, our our, right. our well that we um, always go back to is Pan Am because Pan Am is yeah. ultimately a very similar show in the sense of about 95% of that show is about character relationships yep. and the inner drama between those. Every now and then they fly to a war zone out of nowhere and then they're having to yep. deal with the difficulties of that while also dealing with the personal difficulties, right? Yep. Uh, or, you know, you're seeing one of them who's becoming a spy, right? Or one of them becoming yep. like the spokesperson for Pan Am or whatever. Yep. But like... The, the core, the tenet of the show is that drama between the characters and the unfolding of their relationships. Yep. And then interspersed are these interesting narratives and points in history and things to draw it out of itself that I think are important. So I, I, I think that's very uh, astutely yep. you know, pointed yep. out. Yeah. So three for me. Uh, okay. That feels right. I think um, I would have watched more seasons. Yeah. Um, I'm not... I'm not clamoring to show up at AMC headquarters with a, with a petition a for, to pick yeah. it or a petition uh, that's going to be signed. Mail them, uh, I'm not knocking on doors to, to get more seasons, but I do think it was a pretty, uh, a pretty decent show okay. and I would have watched more. Okay. We like that. I, um, I think, but I not think heartbroken that it was canceled. Yeah. Um, um, so you mentioned uh, before we started recording that you had a little surprise mm -hmm. for us at the end of the show and we're I now do. at the end of the show. I do. So please regale um, me and our listeners with your surprise. Well, so uh, it, it's kind of uh well, are you ready to hear what our next series is going to be? Yes. Okay. Uh, so, for those of you out there, and uh, as well as our us, yeah. um, I don't know if you know, Presley, and I don't know if our listeners know, that the next episode that airs is yeah. going to be after we've hit one year of doing this podcast. Yeah, it'll uh, be a few days after. We, you know, It doesn't a bit quite after. line up just because the years are weird, but... Um, a bit after, uh, because yes, time, the calendars are weird. Especially because uh, we went bi-weekly as well when we started weekly. That's true. That's true. Uh, if you want to hear about um, the, the most revolutionary calendar uh, creation, <laughs> buy Presley a beer and ask him about it. Don't ask him about the letter C. A uh, little inside joke for those of you who know. Um, yeah, so we're this next episode is going to uh, be kind of like our one-year mark uh, episode. And I thought, what better oh, show to watch for this? than freaks and geeks yeah i love it um you know we've talked for for a long time we've about how we have this like uh this huge list and we have some like knocks you know like knockout shows that are yeah. you know the guaranteed fives that nobody totally. can argue um against and and freaks and geeks is one of those that i personally I'm already giving like a six out of five. Yeah. Well, uh, so, you know, no for those spoilers you, for our actual review. Cause I think our nuanced yeah, discussion might yeah. reveal some stuff, but yeah, uh, totally. I'm, but I'm extremely um, excited and this is great. But yeah. So, so freaks and geeks is going to be our next, our next, uh, our next show. Um, dust off those DVDs, uh, yeah. pull them out. Let's, let's, let's kind of, uh, rehash. So, 
uh yeah freaks and geeks is gonna be our it. next episode happy uh one year we'll we'll yeah maybe talk about that a little bit too um next episode but yeah our next episode's gonna be freaks and geeks um so yeah that's the surprise I'm excited. is that we're our we're doing a guaranteed banger yeah for, i mean uh, next, i think that if either of us don't give it at least a four we're we've yeah. lost our clout here uh but 100%. we'll need to see i haven't watched freaks and geeks in some years uh i've watched the whole it's series been a while for me times, too but um, yeah. i'm looking forward to with fresh eyes and under the lens of the season one hat that we you know put on yeah. here kind of looking uh, at it critically it. yeah yeah, so sure. uh, I'm really excited, and I hope our listeners are equally excited because uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be a good one. This is a show that you should watch before we talk about, rather than just listen. Yeah, before, because <laughs> yeah, I was going to say before uh, we even get into it, you need to watch the show because it's a very good show. We're we're going to preempt and be biased here and say that it's a very good show, but we're going to bring yeah. some nuance. We're going to bring some, you know, we bring some good and we bring some bad. That's always part of our conversation. So uh, I'm I can't wait, Andrew. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, but I think uh, until you know two weeks from now time, we're going to be talking about freaks and geeks. But until then, uh, I think my name has been Presley. And my name has been Andrew. And we watched (laughs) it, so you don't have to.